0: Welcome to the Bonanza After Party. Happy to have you alongside. My name is Nicholas Nick Keeley still not with me, hoping we'll have him back over the course of the next week or so as the city of Phoenix continues to be the, city, the center of the sporting universe. A lot of people having to go all hands on deck. So hopefully he makes it through. Really, hopefully we all make it through here in Phoenix the week of Super Bowl 57. It is pandemonium in the city of Phoenix right now. Also, pandemonium and college basketball, like I've been saying. This sport is truly one where the lines are blurred outside of about the top eight nationally or so. And that's very much the case with a lot of the talking points here today. We're going to start with the Clemson Tigers on this after-party episode. An 0-2 week for them, really putting themselves in a really bad spot, including a quad three loss last Tuesday. At Boston College, Clemson played from behind for most of this game, thanks to a 24-4 Boston College run in the halftime. Lasted about 10 minutes. Just not a good shooting night for Clemson. They were 6 21 from three, 10 of 31 from two. That's a really bad mark to have. And one player did perform well. The name was Hunter Tyson. 22 points, 8 rebounds, and a 4 of 7 night from three. The rest of the team was 2 of 14. So, not good there. And then Saturday, a home loss to Miami. A little bit more excusable. A four-point game. But this was one where, once again, clubs had to put behind most of the game. And P.J. Hall had a really good night here. 19 points, 8 of 14, shooting just 1 of 3 from 3. And a double-double from Hunter Tyson. 13 points and 10 rebounds. This now puts Clemson into position. We caught the quad three loss. Now, one of those, and they're still having those two Q4s at South Carolina and home against Loyola, Chicago. Not in a good mark. They haven't won a quad two game in a little while. That was the Virginia Tech game at home, and they have been struggling, to say the least. So now with Clemson... The gap is closed in the ACC regular season title race as of Sunday night to just a half game. Uh, The half game lead uh, to Virginia, also Pittsburgh, and then a full game up on Miami and NC State. So now we have come to a point in the ACC where this is anybody's ballgame. Should be very exciting to see play out. But we go back to Clemson, their situation with the resume. Going into Saturday, they were a 10 seed in the bracket matrix. The second 10 seed. Lots of 10s and 11s in the latest bracket matrix. 3 and 2 in that first quadrant, 4 and 1 in the second quadrant. Still 41st in the strength of Leco going into Sunday's games. But they have that bad at a for strength of, kind of the schedule. 339th in the country. Typically, that gets punished on selection Sunday. 134 overall in the next strength of schedule. And now club is at a point to where it's their games are split. They have three Q1s left on the board, including this Saturday at North Carolina. That's a huge one. And if they can't pick up that, they will have then another week of must-win games. Q4s, two of them. February 15, uh, next Wednesday against Florida State at home and the February 18 at Louisville. And then the next Wednesday, February 22nd, at home against Syracuse before their final two Q1s of the regular season slate at NC State in Virginia. This is crunch time mode for Clemson. They really need to find a way to pull out some wins for the ACC title race. Forget the bubble for a second, forget the slump there. they got to find a way to cut some wins to maintain their position in the ACC title race because Virginia is coming in hard. And if Clemson falls, Virginia's going to claim first place, and Clemson will not get it back. So they have got to find a way to dig in deep. Maybe not win North Carolina. Maybe not that. But you absolutely have to win the next three games. Put yourself there 12-4 and four in ACC play, and then see where things go from there. But as far as the ACC title race is concerned, one slip-up, and it might be all over for Clemson. And then yeah, you get into the bubble, what another bad loss does. If they pick up a third Q4, with the analytics they have, the strength of schedule they have, I can, in no good faith, put Clemson in a projected field at 68. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it with another Q4. Three quad four losses. You know, we learned a little bit about what quad four losses does to a team. Uh, that was Dayton last year. All of those were the non-con. Two of them were the non-con this time around. There is no signature non-conference win here. This is a really dangerous uh, resume for the Clemson Tigers. They have to win the four games outside of that first quadrant. They probably need to win one of those road games in the first quadrant. This is a really dangerous spot, and it's going to come down to whether Clemson can survive the traps or not. And they have to survive all four of them, the three Q4s and the Q3. If they can't survive one of those... And it's going to increase the reliance on those three Q1 games. Right now, I think they need to get one of them. A bad loss increases to two of them. And that includes that for Virginia, by the way, February 28th. That's going to be a must-watch game in the ACC regular season championship race, assuming Clemson finds a way to win a good portion of their games, the Virginia is right up there with them, too. So this is where it's going to get very dangerous. And, and I'll be honest here, I don't think Clemson finishes with a double-bye in the ACC tournament. I don't think they're going to finish in the top four. I have my doubts on that. Especially considering Virginia coming on, Miami coming on, Duke's been on quite the run lately. Uh an sitting at 8-4 on Sunday night, having won their last three, and now six of the last eight for them as of Sunday night. There's some really good teams that are right behind Clemson, waiting and chomping at the bit. And I think at some point it's going to catch up to Clemson. Whether or not they get into the tournament it's all up to them. The bad analytics, they need to keep on winning games. Uh, I certainly think Clemson will have a case right now, and it could come down to the ACC tournament if it comes to that. Uh, but they, they, they cannot afford any more bad losses. If they do that, uh, they are putting themselves in severe jeopardy. Let's move on over to Charleston. This should be a little bit shorter show, half the party than normal. Hopefully, shooting for a half hour of content. We'll see if we get through that. Uh, Charleston, uh, they have really been struggling as of late. Uh, the the nice story of Charleston has really gone downhill. Uh, two straight losses before a win Saturday at Delaware, uh, the home loss against Hosbrook, and the away loss at Drexel this past Thursday. Both of those in the second and the third quadrant, I should say. So, without a quad one win, 0 1 there, now getting the one chance at that North Carolina. The three Q2 wins 6 and 2 in Q3, 12 0 in Q4. There are no chances left in the bottom two quadrants. Uh, and what that means is their resume is set, and that's not good. Um, they have to win out, and that might include the Colonial Vegas like Association Tournament championship. I think Charles and that large bid is over. Uh, it's, it's really sad that, that we're saying that a three loss team, but Ana don't back it up. straight like the schedule doesn't back it up. Only thing that backs up Charles as a tournament team has straight the record of 32nd. And that's an outlier in the grand scheme of things. That's an outlier. And a four loss Charleston team not making a tournament would a shame. But you look at some of our tournament simulations, I intend on using a lot more going forward as we get into the crucial bubble weeks here. Uh, from Sunday night, uh, winning out uh, increases the outlaw's chances, not including the Colonial Final from only 5 to 13%. Winning out into the Colonial Athletic Association final gives Charleston just a 7.8% chance of an at large bid. It's over. It's over. Now, if it comes to that, I fully expect Charleston to host a game in the NIT. It is nothing more than they deserve. Nothing less than they deserve. Whatever it is. They deserve the opportunity. They have proven their weight through winning and winning and winning and winning. Now you get through four Q4s and two Q3s. Uh, Poor Colonia Athletic Association—they have to win all three, all six of those games. And Lakes Pipe won't won't give them too much of a a use until they, uh, let's say, blow out teams. Then they are alive winning the conference tournament. It's not going to happen. I'm afraid it's it's not going to happen. It's a true shame. Well, on the other end of this, in the Conference USA, uh, Florida Atlantic. We talked a little bit about UAB. I did uh, made made my mid-major team of the week for the win against uh, FAU. Uh, FAU bounced back on Saturday at Charlotte, uh, making them 22 and two. Current situation for them: they're 18th in the net on Sunday, which makes things a little more interesting. At 22 and two, that does include a couple of games. Uh, outside of Division One, gave a Q two left, a couple of uh, four Q threes, <coughs> excuse me, and two Q fours, two and one in that first quadrant, three and one in that second quadrant, with a perfect six and zero and nine and zero records in the third and fourth quadrant respectively. analytics still backed this team up as a tournament team. They're sixteenth in the strength of record. And strengthens players is not that great. But I guarantee you the CUNYs can reward FAU if it has an opportunity to. Uh, and I ran a lot of simulations in that Bartorvik, um pool. I do not think they can lose anything the rest of the way. That's my opinion. FAU cannot lose a game the rest of the way. That's my opinion. However, the analytics tell a different story. First, the bracket matrix going into Saturday. FAU was a 9 c the tournament simulations, I ran several different simulations, so the percentages will tell the story here. If they went out, none of these simulations include the Conference USA tournament. Winning out gives FAU a 97.9% chance of an at-large bid. The Only one loss coming in the second quadrant with the rest of the wins. The game we're using here is at Middle Tennessee on Saturday, that's the only QT left. 94.5% chance of an at-large bid. Only one Q3 loss with wins the rest of the way. That game is at Louisiana Tech on March 4. 96% chance of an at-large bid. If, they, if we put them in with losses in both those games and the wins in rest, 93.4%. If we give them one Q4 loss and the rest of them are wins, the game we're using here is a home game against UTSA, on February 23rd, that's a 93.4% chance of an out-large bid. If we give them the 1Q4 loss, the 1Q3 loss, but the rest of them wins, again, the two games we mentioned within the quadrants, 89% chance. And if we give them one, if we give them loss in all three of those games, I should say, again, wins in the rest, that goes down to 75.9%. So, the story here is that their analytics are providing a great level of comfort that no mid-major team can afford, that no other mid-major team I should say, can afford. But they can't blow it. If they win out the rest of the way, going in the Conference USA tournament, they're fine. There is no way. There is no way that the committee is going to deny a a 29 and two team. Let's just say they lose the first game in the Conference USA tournament. 29 and three. There is no way the committee's going to sit there and deny a 29-3 team access to the NCAA tournament on an at-large basis. There is absolutely no shot, particularly with the analytical profile of FAU, and that is of a tournament team. And that's what FAU is. It's been so impressive what Coach Dusty May has done. I would be not surprised. I would not be shocked if Dusty May Got a high-profile job in the coaching carousel this coming off-season. That's how well a job he's done. He has been ultra impressive, ultra impressive. And now the key is to continue it. And I certainly think this team will. They got back on the right track despite a little bit of a scare on Saturday. Uh, it was very much in the balance going into halftime. Charlotte had a one-point halftime lead. And then a couple of runs from FAU close it out. Uh, and I certainly think that win puts them right back on track. There's a lot of the games against Kimpom top 200 teams left. Excuse me, left. Six of the last seven are against teams in the Kimpom top 200. So this is by no means a given. But if they sweep the rest, they are in. Despite no matter what they do in the conference series, tournament. They're in. And I hate to root against a team like this in the conference tournament. But I would love to see a big major league be a multi-bid league. That's what Conference USA is. This is their last hurrah before the American completes its poach a Conference USA. This is it. This is the final shot. And if Conference USA get that second bid, more power to them. More power to them. Would give, uh, they would get my absolute respect. Final thing I want to talk about this will end up short about half hour, but again, thank you so much for tuning in to the after party on this Wednesday. My name is St. Close Happy to have you alongside St. Mary's. That big win over Gonzaga on Saturday, the overtime win. Aiden Mahaney was so good, 18 points. Not the best shooting night, but three assists. He played a big role down the stretch. A lot of talk about him as a freshman being so, so good. Now, this is a 12-game win streak going into a three-game road trip. trip. They're a perfect 10-0 in West Coast Conference play. Two full games ahead of Gonzaga. And I have always believed in this team. I saw the analytics in St. Mary's, and they, last, they, they, they got me. They got me. Uh and I mean if you look back to my spreadsheet, which I had to get really keep a uh, really big profile on this, they have been increasing and increasing the last four weeks in my rank. I first ranked them five, two, three, four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. And that was my first ranking of St. Mary's. And they have been so impressive ever since. This team is the real deal. I think they're going to win the West Coast Conference. You you look at the situation here. They have six more games in West Coast Conference play. Six more. One yeah. of them is to Gonzaga on the road. Home against BYU. Four easier games from there. Though they did. Though they should not discount the road trip to Iowa Merrimack on Thursday, because Dan Johnson did a very good job of that team this year. At uh, sixteen and nine. Uh, trying to get that program uh, to a decent spot and tied for third in the West Coast Conference—that's progress, right there. That's progress. But back to St. Mary's. This team should go no worse than four and two, and you're two games ahead of Gonzaga. If you are sitting, first off, they go five and zero. Oh, it's over. They win the West Coast Conference bracket season championship. If you go four and one in that you got the cushion and uh, it, it speaks to the St. Mary's team just really how good they are. Their defense is, is so good analytically, fourth best on Sunday night in the adjusted defensive efficiency category, they really are fantastic. And now the biggest question is how far does this team go to the NCAA tournament? And I do think they're a second weekend team. I know that's probably going to surprise people. I mean, you look at them in the bracket, they're a five seed. They are, a, they, they, to me, they're a second weekend team. They have the goods. They have the mixed experience and and freshmen like Mahaney. I mean, you look at this game that they played against Saga. Some of these seniors struggled. Kyle Bowen only had five. But Logan Johnson had 12. He's one of the main stores in this team. Alex, Alex Dukas had 14. Mixel Saxon had 15 to go with 11 rebounds. It's an experienced team with a star freshman. This is what you want out of a tournament team that can go far. This kind of roster composition. And you combine that of a great coach in Randy Bennett, and this team has the goods to, to reach the second weekend for the first time since 2010. They are incredibly talented. And I think this team's going to finish the job that last year's team couldn't in the second round. Where St. Mary's um, fell to a really talented UCLA team. Now, again, you have to ask the question the easier slate in the West Coast Conference, will that affect St. Mary's? I don't think it will. I think 99th is a good enough coach where who has got prepared to play? It could lead to a second round exit where they haven't played teams as good as them most of the time outside of Gonzaga. For most of the year. Uh, but St. Mary's. I thought they did a good job. Preparing themselves. Within their non-conference schedule. Scheduling as many good mid-majors as possible. Oral Roberts. North Texas. Hosper in the Camp Top 100. No mid-major. But San Diego State in the near-major category. In Phoenix. Houston. Houston. And they lost in my only five. New Mexico at home. Only a three-point game. They're prepared. They are absolutely prepared. And I wouldn't be shocked if I ended up picking St. Mary's to go to the Sweet 16. That's my level of confidence in them. It's just now, how do you play in the next three weeks? And I think they'll be okay. I think they have the goods. I think they'll be just fine. A little bit of a shorter after-party episode for you on this Wednesday, but that's all I have. Sunday episode coming to you on the podcast platform. We're going to enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. And in Leo, of that, we'll have an episode for you. I want to say it's going to come out at 7 o'clock at its normal time. I'm not going to make any guarantees. Very well, come out much earlier than that. So make sure you stick around. Make sure you pay attention to our social channels particularly on Twitter at College Bonanza, for all of that announcement information. This has been the Bonanza After Party. I've been Nicholas Hodel. Enjoy the rest of your week, everyone.